0: It blows my mind how many people blow off relationships but then still expect to build wealth. Hey, it's Patrice Washington, America's money maven and the creator of the Redefining Wealth podcast. And I'm super excited to be back with you again With another opportunity to break down one of these pillars, one of these six pillars of wealth, which make up the foundation for the entire redefining wealth concept. Now, if you didn't hear episode one, you should totally go back and listen to episode one. Not only do you hear my story of how I became America's money maven and all the things that happened on the way to this point, but you also hear the really critical piece, which is the foundation for how I got here. It's the the answer to the question that I received many times. I continue to receive really many times over the years, which is, how did you get off your brother's couch in 2009? And here you are sitting on couches on national television as an expert across from the likes of Steve Harvey and Dr. Oz and on Fox News and many other places. And I always tell people it was not by chasing money. like It was not by... Knowing every single line item on my credit report, that's important, but it definitely is not the end-all be-all. And it wasn't just, you know, budgeting like a fanatic. Also very important, but not the only piece. And so in the last episode, I shared with you the very first pillar, which was fit. And the premise for fit is really just acknowledging the fact that We all have a vision for our lives, at least I hope that you do. You should have a huge vision for your life because the fact that you're here, the fact that you're listening to my voice, the fact that you still have breath in your body means that there is a purpose for your life and there should be a big vision that includes that purpose. But the reality is so many of us have visions, but we're not preparing our bodies, our vessels to see that vision all the way through. And that is such a big piece of your wealth. And I really break that down in episode one. I really talk about not just the importance of physical fitness, but also mental fitness, because so many of us are praying for things that we don't have the mental capacity to sustain. And a part of what I'm doing here is really expanding this conversation about money or really the conversation about wealth, which so many people think is money. And they think it's material possessions. You think it's assets. You think it's the stuff. But what I've discovered on this journey is that it's so much bigger than that. And that's really what I want to dig into. That's what I want to peel the layers back on um, that's what i want to pull back that curtain and let you get a sneak peek not in not into just my life but also the lives of the business owners executives athletes entertainers celebrities just people that we see every day living out that vision and we don't want to hear about the hustle hard or you know follow your passion and the money will come. Like, we want to know what are the action steps? What are the mindsets? What are the behaviors? And that's what I'm committed to do on this podcast is to share the real. That is what I promised God when I was on my bathroom floor snorting and crying in 2009 and saying, God, why me? How did I get here? I said, if you restore me, I am going to share with everyone who's willing to listen. And so because you're here, you happen to be one of those people that is willing to listen. And so I am willing to share. And what I want to talk about today is pillar number two. And pillar number two is called the people pillar. And it's all about understanding that relationships matter. Relationships matter. Relationships are such a key part of how you are going to build wealth. If you don't have allies, if you don't have advocates, if you don't have people who are working to connect you to opportunities, when, you're, when they're not even a thought in your head, I am very clear that the only reason I'm here, the only reason I have the opportunities that I have, that I have the platform that I have, are because of relationships. And it blows my mind how many people blow off relationships, but then still expect to build wealth. Mm-mm-mm. I cannot tell you, this summer, since I have been really out here launching this entire concept of redefining wealth, I have met some character along the way do you hear me characters and uh, good people I'm not saying that they're bad people but I am saying that I realize a disproportionate amount of people don't value relationships like they don't make wise decisions when it comes to how they interact with people and it's amazing to see how many people just disregard Relationships. Like, I believe in the golden rule. I was raised to believe in the golden rule you know, treat people how you want to be treated. But even if you weren't raised by the golden rule, as an adult, as a a contributing member of society, (laughs) right, you would think that there were just some base level ground rules that we could all follow. But I learned this summer in a big way that that's just not true. And it's funny, I had this experience of a business relationship in particular where I hired someone that I thought I was cool with to work on a project alongside me and I was blown away by the disregard for timelines, for just honoring what was in the contract and then not acknowledging when there was breakdown. And this is so key. When I was a real estate and mortgage broker, a part of how I built my business was really through relationships. It was so much word of mouth. And I used to tell people all the time, it's not that I have these deals, these real estate deals that just go smooth as pie, because that's not it at all. If you've ever been in a real estate transaction, if you've ever bought a property, sold a property, had anything to do with the process, you know that it's not always smooth selling. And so it was never that every deal was such a smooth experience It's that when it got rocky, I didn't run from my clients. When it got rocky, I still answered the phone. I still replied to their emails. I still was proactive with giving my clients information rather than being reactive. And I believe that that mindset and that way of being has been such a huge factor in the success that I have today. In the opportunities, because I'll tell you guys, so many of the opportunities that I have, I could not pray for. I didn't even know what I didn't know. So, a lot of the things that have happened in my life, I didn't even know to ask for. I didn't know to pray for. I didn't know to seek it out, but I always knew to treat people the way I wanted to be treated. I always knew that you don't only reach out to someone when you want something. I always knew that in the event of breakdown, you don't run. You don't hide. But when you stand and you let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, good, bad, or in the middle, that people honor that and they respect that because it's so not often done. It's just not often the reality. And so I truly have found in my life and my business on the fact that relationships matter. And it's not about... Sometimes when you say that, people think, oh, well, you know, well, you're only nice because you want to get something. And I've had that experience where I realized that people are only... They're only nice to me because they think they're going to get something out of it. Like I saw um, one of my favorite people on Instagram, Real Talk Kim. She had this meme up one day and it said something like, People are only sticking around in case you make it. Could you imagine? People are only sticking around in case you make it. And that is so true. And then my girl, Sherry Riley, who I have to have on this podcast, she's the author of Exponential Living, which is a phenomenal read. Oh my gosh, a phenomenal read. We'll definitely have to have her on. But I went through this experience this summer and I reached out to Sherry who was truly like my girlfriend. And I reach out to her and I'm like, listen, you know, I'm coachable. I love, you know, I love being made aware of where maybe I did not make the best decisions. And I'm open to learning. I always, everyone who knows me knows, I say this all the time. I'm coachable. I'm open to feedback as long as it comes with a solution. I reached out to Sherry and told her this whole scenario. And One of the quotes, I had three pages of notes, literally, when I was done talking to her. But one of the quotes that I remember her saying is, people will cheer for you because it's cool to cheer for you in this season. And and really, she was stressing the point that I have, even at 36 years old, made this habit of thinking that someone's my friend because I'm cool with them, because we're in the same circle. Maybe we've had some good text conversation, we maybe hung out a few times. You've been in my home or something. I've been in your home. We're cool. I I start using the term friend. And I realized at 36 years old that I guess I may have thrown that around too much. I don't want to go too deep into what we talked about because I definitely need to have Sherry on. But what I learned in this process is that I was treating someone who I was in a business relationship with like a friend. And they were very clear based on how they treated me that I was not a friend. And the sad part about it is, I believe wholeheartedly what I learned from one of my mentors, Steve Harvey, there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Mm, I still love that. Every time I say it, it still like gives me a little warm, tingly feeling inside. There's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. And my question is, what are they watching you do? Who are they watching you be? How are they watching you interact? And not just what you do with them in the moment. What are they standing on the outside watching you do? I really think if we thought more deeply about that, a lot of us would change our conversation. A lot of us would change our attitudes. A lot of us would change the way we do business. And my God, I hope it would be for the better. Because your prosperity is directly connected to the people who know you and the people you know. But what if I don't like what I know of you? What if my experience of you or the experience of my girlfriend or the experience of someone I'm connected to on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere on social media? Because we forget, have you ever looked at your friend list and gone, how the heck do they know each other? Like, wait a minute. He knows her. She knows him. Like we're this relationship. Wait a minute. I know this person from church, but they know each other from work. And and you would think well, all these close connections, we are. It's like not six degrees of separation. I think I may have two degrees of separation from most people. I really want to know. And it's like so close. And you would think that that would make people act right. Oh my gosh, it does not make folk act right at all. And so I've been learning a lot not just about how to build relationships, but a lot of what we're going to talk about too, i won't to say a lot, but it's definitely something to discuss in this whole people pillar is when to deepen relationships and when to untie some unsupportive relationships that just don't serve you. They don't serve you getting to your greater purpose. They don't serve you on your way to your wealth. They just don't serve you. And that's a conversation. A lot of people ask me all the time, how I ended up on The Steve Harvey Show, how I ended up on The Steve Harvey Talk Show as a regular guest three years and on the radio for three years. And it's funny, you know, it goes back to my college days. I've actually known Steve Harvey since I was 19 years old. And I didn't set out to know Steve Harvey. What I set out to do with a girlfriend of mine was We established that we were going to make ourselves the president and vice president of the Black Student Union at USC, University of Southern California. And because it had been dormant for years and all the other organizations required this whole voting process and people had to know you and like you and all this. And I'm like, I work full time. I'm not on campus like that. I don't really know all these people like that. I don't know if I could get the vote, but... I know if we revamped this organization with no members, if you vote for me, I can vote for you. (laughs) That was literally how my brain was thinking. This is my sophomore year in college. And so my good girlfriend, Nadia, and I uh, decide we're going to be president and vice president. And I'm driving to school one day from my apartment, and I hear the Steve Harvey Morning Show and it was just in Los Angeles. And so I immediately get this bright idea in my head, like, oh my gosh, Steve Harvey, he totally sounds like he has money. He can give me $500 so that I could revamp the Black Student Union. And I'm driving and next thing I know, they go, who wants to be in the live studio audience? Send us a fax. Yes, this is back in the day. You had to fax. There was no shoot shooter email. It was send us a fax. And if you're chosen, one of like the 12 people chosen, you can be in this live studio audience. Like two days later, I think it was like a Friday morning. And I'm like, oh my gosh, totally going to do it. Get to school, go up to this office that I often used as my own office um, on campus. And I literally jammed up the fax machine. Like, I faxed these people 933 times. Like, I was a crazy person. I drew flowers on some of the papers. I drew uh, butterflies, beach scenes, whatever. I just wanted to get the attention of whoever this guy was who was going to be choosing. And finally, he called me back after like an hour, and he's like, you are jamming up the fax machine. Yes, you can come already. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. All right, don't be mad at my persistence. Um, I'm a Trojan. Fight on. And so, so I end up going at five o'clock in the morning two days later with my little letter on my um on our our homemade black student union uh, letterhead with this ask of Steve Harvey for five hundred dollars. And we get there, and the first thing that they say as "You're piling into this little studio is no soliciting. Don't ask Steve for anything." I was like. Okay. They're not talking to me because it's early in the morning and I came here with purpose. So <laughs> this doesn't really apply to me. So as the show is winding down, I'm getting my, you know, the gumption up. I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to make my ask. I start sliding my letter out of my purse. And I was technically supposed to be maybe the third or fourth person who leaves the studio. I just keep stepping back, letting people go in front of me, stepping back, stepping back. Like, oh, you go ahead. No, 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 you go. It's fine. Even Nadia, my girlfriend, actually left me. So I ended up being, she was like, I'm not going to ask. They said, don't solicit. I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to ask. So we get to the, I'm the last person. And the gentleman there is like, what do you want? Why Why are you letting people go in front of you? So I give him my whole spiel. And I'm with Black Student Union from USC. And I was thinking this and maybe that. And he lets me get to the end of this spiel. And he says, Oh wow! I was president of the Chicano Student Union at USC, and so we have this great fight on bonding moment. And he says, "Hold on a minute." He goes, he gets Rashan, who was Steve's manager at the time, and before you know it, Rashan and I have this conversation. He invites me to another event. It was actually the House of Blues. I remember Destiny's Child was performing for the for young people. Beyonce, lead singer Destiny's Child, back in the day before they were popping like that. And they were performing. He invited me to that. I go back like a week later, and it became this string of like, come to this, go to that, meet me at this event. And I was like, this guy is not serious. And Nadia was like, he's definitely playing with us. He's not serious. But something just told me to to keep going, to keep pressing forward. And probably a third or fourth event that I ended up going to, I got a two thousand dollar check from Rashawn, and I also got an invitation to become an intern on the show. And originally, I denied the internship. I took the money, denied the internship because it was unpaid. But I ended up having to quit my full-time job. I worked at a hotel, a front desk at a Weston Hotel back in the day. And parents made me quit my job. I was working 40, 50 hours a week. And I had way too much time on my hand. So I reached back out and said, do you still need an intern? And what was supposed to be A sixty or ninety day internship ended up being a two and a half year job. On that last day of my internship, I got cards, gave cards to everyone on the team: Steve Harvey, Shirley Strawberry, Rashawn, and some of the other folks that were local. And they were like, "Where are you going? What is this about?" I'm like, "Well, it's my last day of my internship," and Steve is like, "The hell it is! No one's not. You can't leave." And that was it. And I worked for him for two and a half years until I graduated from USC. He even spoke at my Black graduation there. And so even though I left to start my real estate and mortgage brokerage and went on to do my own thing, when I lost everything and found myself on the couch, on my brother's couch in Atlanta, Georgia, he had moved his operation um, from, at that time from L.A. to New York to Atlanta. And it was just divine. It was just Came right back around several years later, six years later, I ended up in that community again. And so it didn't even come down to me ever asking Mr. Harvey to be on his TV show or to be on the radio show. I just continued to do the work. I started writing a blog. I worked on my first book. I started doing little YouTube videos and they just saw the work. And, and when I did my first interview, This is January 2014 on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. During the commercial break, it was a two-parter. And during the commercial break, I said, Mr. Harvey, I just want to thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate you helping me get out there like this. And he said, you know why I would help you, Patrice? Because so many people come to us, they don't want to do the work, but they want to ask for the world. He said, and you always out here doing the work and you never ask. And some people have told me over the years, like, why wouldn't you have asked? Why wouldn't you have asked? But I'm just a firm believer that my job is to do all that I can do and then stand, right? Like, I believe that when God sees what you're working on, he already knows what you're waiting on. He already knows what the connection is that you need. He already knows who the plug is. Like, it, it, like your gift will make room for you right you i don't feel like i have to go around town begging and asking for stuff like not and i'm not saying that you don't make the ask because there's an appropriate time to ask for what you want but i also know that there's a lot of people who ask for things just out of turn like they have not built a relationship worthy of asking for what they're asking for that's my that's my honest belief and i think that if we had a greater respect for just building genuine relationships we would see so much more prosperity in our lives because it's one thing for you to toot your own horn, which is necessary, but it's nothing like being at home, minding your business and getting a call or a text or an email from someone who says, such and such told me that you were the person to X, Y, and Z. And you're not jumping through hoops. You're not doing a bunch of applying for anything. There's no, there's the word of someone else. And so that's why it's so important to treat people right. And there's so many different ways that we have to look at this. There's so many different ways because we also have to talk about setting boundaries. We also have to talk about just letting your no be your no. We have to talk about how to deal with unsupportive family members and friends because that's a real thing. But all of that is connected to our wealth. And that is why the people pillar is so important. And another way that this is so important is the personal aspect. There's a video on YouTube where I talk about three bonus benefits of taking a step back from my business. And the reason I put that out there is because there was one point where I was super focused on my business and I was focused on building these business relationships. But the reality is, the very people that I said, I was doing all of this for didn't feel like I was doing it for them. Like, there was at one point where I was on the road so much that my husband and my daughter were kind of like, "When's enough enough?" and when you're home, you're present physically, but you're not present. I was on my phone, I was jotting things down, I was thinking of the next blog post, I was taking notes for the next book I just I was so into it, and there's a season where even now my family knows that I am in a season of just birthing this whole redefining wealth concept and really getting it out there to the masses, and that takes extra work. It takes extra time, but I've also learned over the years how to honor and respect them when I am present how to be deliberate and intentional about the time that we spend together, how to make sure that that time is like quality. Because so many of us are so caught up in chasing the dream, chasing the money, the hustle and grind, and the very people that we say we love can't even feel that we love them. And that's not what this is about either. Because how sad would it be to have all the money and material possessions and assets in the world, yet not be in fellowship? not be in community, not have people that genuinely love you for you. Because I can take off this America's Money Maven cape tomorrow. I could take it off at this moment. And I know that there's two people who live in my house that are going to love me no matter what. And I know that there are dozens of other people, friends and extended family and Church members who will love me just the same, and not for all the things that you see, but for the things that I do for them and with them. And so that is an important piece as well. There is nothing like the well being of the relationships in your life. And so creating relationships that matter is so key because also when you have those personal relationships intact, it gives you the freedom to go out and be all that you've been called to be. Because you know, when you get back home to that safe space, there are folks waiting to love on you and help you replenish and rejuvenate. And there's something really special about that. But I also believe it's a big connection to your wealth. And so that is the premise for the second pillar of redefining wealth. So again, if you didn't check out the first pillar fit, I really, really, really encourage you to go back and check it out. And stay tuned because the third pillar is coming up next. And trust me, these are the foundation. This is the truth about wealth. This is the stuff that people don't talk about when they're telling you to budget and do your credit and, you know, invest, all very important. But this stuff is even more important because this is the stuff that shapes who you are on the inside. And I'm convinced that being wealthy has 100% nothing to do with money and has everything to do with us and our mindsets, our habits, our behaviors, our relationships, and how that all relates to money. So I would love to hear from you. Stay connected with me, patricewashington.com. I really want you to subscribe, subscribe, and leave a review. Like I said before, I'm coachable. I want your feedback. I want your honest opinion about redefining wealth, about what I'm up to here, because it matters to me. My vision My promise, my life's work right now is to make sure that this work helps you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. And so I need you to subscribe. I need you to leave a review, an honest review, and connect with me on social media. I'm pretty much everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SeekWisdomPCW. That's SeekWisdomPCW. So until next time, my friends, my dears, uh, hit me up, and I will be back so we can break down pillar number three of redefining wealth.